Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. What do you remember? 
And I know a lot of people, well, first of all, let me say who this is, people, Saidi and Kese, I'd like to give my little introduction here. A lot of people, I think, I'm actually looking for something here because Joella's still on vacation. I think she's in Johannesburg right now. Um, a lot of people you know Michael for his singing, his dancing, the moonwalk, and those kind of things. But I think what a lot of people really miss is uh, how he lived his name. I was talking to Joseph Mbangu about this on Facebook. We were going back and forth in a conversation. And it's about Michael's name. I think in Hebrew means he who is like God or is like God or something on those lines. But God touches everybody. And the one thing about Michael is that he always inspired people with his words. His real fans, his true fans, not just the ones that, you know, oh, the, you know, uh, the drama that surrounded him. No, the real fans who, who follow him were always amazed and were always touched by how he would always take time to give advice to people about what to do or just spend time with people to give them knowledge of the game, the rules of the game, as Tupac uh, once said, the different levels of the game. I think that's one thing I want to really talk about and really showcase tonight. You know, I want, you know, we, we we might do some MJ music and things like that. We might do people's uh, people using um, some mixes of MJ's uh, music or what have you. We might do that tonight. There's this nice mix of a Destiny's Child's Bootylicious with Liberian Girl that I heard years ago. If I can find that one, oh my God, it was really nice, really nice. Um, I want to do something a little different tonight, and that's essentially just use this moment to carry out Michael's message of uh, just words of wisdom you know we got some um some audio together tonight from different sources what have you of di- from different industries acting business or what have you and just really about you know Ome Congo, young maya uh, my brother for those that don't know now you know uh, when he speaks to people he he talks about really finding the passion in your life what is your calling a lot of the people that are really successful or just you know just in your circle you know not success like in media, but just in your circle of friends. Um, the question is always asked, and I'm going to bring this up, and I talk about it. I know my sister Bajima talks about it, and Shaumba. Our whole family have come up, have come up with this. Uh, we've, grown, we've lived by this mantra, and we really try to uh, instill and, and it in other people's. What is your calling? You know, what do you want to do? What do you, what is, why are you here? You know, everybody has a gift. You know, there are certain things that I can, I can do that you can't do. It's not bragging. I know you can't do it, but I can do it. Yet there are things that you can do that I can't do. I'm not even going to try to do. A lot of people are surprised to learn that I used to play right-wing hockey, <laughs> you know, ice hockey back in Boston. You know, I loved it. I think that's one of the few things I really wish I pursued. I think I've been very good at it. You know, but what is your calling? What do you want to do? And who are you talking to to find out what you want to do? And are you really being true to yourself? And that's what Michael did. Michael, at one point, you know, people forget or don't know when he did the uh, Motown 25, he didn't want to be on the show. I mean, Barry Gordon, from what I understand, had to go lobby to Michael. Look, you need to be on the show. You know, they haven't seen the brothers in years. And Michael, like, I don't want to do it. Then Michael gave in and said, okay, I'll do it, but I want to do a solo spot. And that solo spot was the was Billy Jean, and you saw how that took off. Or with, um, Who's that guy that sings uh, Living La Vida Loca? Ricky Martin. I believe at the Grammys, somebody pulled out or wasn't able to perform at the last minute, so they needed someone to fill that slot, and someone by someone mentioned uh, Ricky Martin, who was, like, picking up steam on the street. And he did the show at the Grammy, and he exploded overnight. It's about really, you know, your opportunity. Uh, Esmeralda Speranza, is that her name? 24 years old, 23-year-old Grammy, uh, Grammy winner, jazz. 
following her calling. Went to Berkeley. I believe my sister knows her from Boston when she was there. Um, are you following what's in your heart? Are you really f- being true to who you are? Are you? And that's what we're going to do tonight. Tonight, we're going to carry on. We're going to honor Michael by, you know, playing a few words that he had to say. Uh, one segment, actually, I think the music is a little too loud, but I think he might be able to, you know, uh, work through it. You know how Michael's voice can be. But are you living? Are you living or are you just existing? Are you going to wake up tomorrow, if it's Monday or whatever you may be, you could be, you know, listeners all around the world. Are you going to wake up tomorrow, go to a place where you don't want to be? Are you already dreading waking up tomorrow to go to this place? And you're like, oh, my God, 40 hours or 30 hours or overtime, what have you. Or you like just amped. You're like, I can't wait to get in tomorrow. I just can't wait to get in there and do what I got to do and have some fun, do what I want to do and really make change. Which one are you? And that's what I think a lot of people are missing out these days. Let's hear what uh, Harrison Ford. We're going to give some words of wisdom and stuff like that tonight and play the music here and there. All right. So, people, I'm glad you joined in with me tonight. If you want to reach out to me, 646-595-2892. 646-595-2892. Or you can come in the chat room, which I'm not even set up tonight. I just want to, like, really just do some words with you guys and have some fun. We don't have that much time. So... Let's get back to our groove, and let's hear what Harrison Ford has to have, what advice he has for the actors out there in Los Angeles. The only advice I've ever offered uh, uh, young actors is is to try and figure out how to do it um, for yourself. Never be caught... uh, with the uh, with the idea that uh, that you can imitate someone else's success as much as you might admire what someone else does, don't try and imitate that. Find your own way. Find what. Find your own voice. Find your own feelings, and that will make uh, will give you a unique opportunity. What is your voice, people? You. I'm talking to you that's listening right now. What is your voice? And is your voice being heard anywhere? Is your voice touching somebody, someone's life, and motivating them to do something anywhere? What is your voice? Let's see what Russell Simmons has to say about this. He was speaking on uh, Get Out the Box. Check him out. It's a nice uh, website. Let's see what Russell Simmons uh, from Def Jam. You know you got you know those guys. Uh, Russell, what was it? Uh, my God, uh, Run DMC. The younger, younger brother's part of the group, Rev Run. Let's hear what Russell Simmons has to say. Words of wisdom. Yes, go ahead. Okay, this question is from Teresa Edwards. She's from Clearwater, and it's directed towards Russell Simmons. Uh, she asks, what keeps you so positive each day? She says that you keep her going with your motivational speeches each day. I think you learn as you get older. You know, when you're young, but the thing I just said about giving... That's really all there is. The only, I mean, the only way to be happy, if you, you can try it out. If you go in the corner and you get a mean face, like you come with an ice grill and you come like tough and all that, people will treat you tougher. They'll treat you the way you treat them. You come out, if you come out smiling and you're a happy person, everybody will want to be around you and they'll be happy back. It's a small example, but everything in this world is a manifestation of what you give the world. There's the laws of karma and every scripture. 
They're in the Bible, the Quran, the Torah, they're in the Yoga Sutras, they're in every prophet told you the same thing. It is really what you give the world that you get back from the world. Not that you have to trade, but give the world the positivity you want back. And this, you have to have faith that that's what's going on. That's how it's going on. Who's next? Come over here. Go ahead. This question is directed to the panel from Kimbrielle Finch. I'm tired of seeing and hearing just negative videos and music. I want to see and hear a balance on the radio and TV. What can I do as a 10-year-old that will create a way for this to happen? I'm going to pass the mic, but I just want to say one thing. You have to do it yourself. You have to be what you want. You know, do the things you want to see, even if you're 10 years old. And on the radio, you have to find what you want to find in every word. In other words, it's all God had to see what you want in each piece. A lot of adults point their finger at the young rappers, you know, the gangster rappers or whatever, but they never point their finger back at their gangster government. They never appreciate, they never see, when they say, um, they say that girls are sexist, but then, or, or dance uh, sexual, but then in all of the history, you can watch all of the, you know, the African or Hawaiian or the previous generation, or they, they, they've been doing it. The, 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 the negative spin that they put on young people it is, a true, it is truly tough in the communities. And we do have some very negative expressions. But in almost every one of those expressions, you find that they're saying how much that struggle is not good for them. How they're not benefiting from their own negative attitudes. Almost every rapper will remind you that that's not good. But you have to find what's good in their words. If you like their song, find what's good. Play the high note. The world is what you see. If you think the world is a positive, uplifting, spiritual, sweet place, then it is. If you think the world is a negative, violent, horrible place, then it is. If you look for the high notes and make them part of what you live, you'll find high notes everywhere. If you look for the negative notes, then that's all you'll hear. So as a 10-year-old, you listen to rap records, tune your ears into what's good, and if it offends your spirit, then ignore it. But really look for what's good. There's lots of positive rap records. And when you watch the news all day, it seems like you only watch the bad news. What they're giving you in, the, in, in their video games, what they're giving you in almost every cultural thing is sex and violence. And, and, and so rappers, I think, are more positive than CNN. You know, when we're watching on the radio, we're listening to it on the radio, it's more positive than what you get on the 6 o'clock news. They're reporters as well. So just look for the high notes and try to make them your mantra. Keep living with them. I like that. Russell Simmons giving a little words of wisdom there, people. Like I said, I'm going to mix it in and out. You might hear some folks in music, business, entertainers, what have you. So, you know, you got to do it yourself like he said. You have to do it yourself. If you're waiting around for someone to do it, it's not going to happen. So let's take our little break here. Let's hear a little bit of uh, Pink versus Michael Jackson on the smooth criminal side. Enjoy.
Yes, let's get it started. We got to start at 9 o'clock. You know what's going on. And you know what's coming up this coming Thursday, baby. 51st Independence Day for the DRC, the Democratic Republic of the Congo. As my little brother Lukusa likes to say, the soon-to-be Democratic Republic of the Congo. But you know that's how we get down, people. You know, let me share a little something here about, uh, let me tell you a little story. There was this guy, um, he had a, a really big song off his album. I'm not going to mention the person's name yet. And it was, the album was doing really well. And he wanted to do a video to, for this particular song. And, you know, how, how it works in the business is that, for those that don't know, for the most part, the record label will pay for your video. And then the money you make off the sales of your album, they'll recoup their money from the, out, from the album sales. So in this case, they told the artist, no, we don't want to do the video. We don't want to do the video. We don't want to do the video. It's just, we don't think it's going to be popular or whatever. Now, he, now, mind you, the album was doing very well. So the artist decided to pay, you know what, I'm just going to pay for the video on my own, out of my own pocket. You know, hey, I really believe it's a, it's a, it's a strong song. It needs a, a strong video to support it, you know, what have you. So I'm going to pay for it on my own. Uh, the, the name of the artist is Michael Jackson, and the video is Beat It. Now, think of that. Michael said, if you don't want to do it, I'll do it. And look how pop and look how how that video just exploded. Had Michael Peters in there, just exploded. What does that tell you? So you have to really, really, really. If it's in your heart to do it, nobody can tell you that you can't do it. And you have to really believe that. Don't just say and convince yourself. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You have to really, really believe. Let's hear what Oprah has to say before she made it big. MCU TV. I know now that I am where I am because I always believed I could get here. Always believed it. She may have believed it, but how did she get there? When she was 22, she moved to Baltimore and became an anchor woman on a local TV news show. This was 60 pounds ago. You mean you were 60 pounds lighter? 60 pounds ago, I think, of my life in terms of my thighs. Well, the new sister news director came to me and said, you know... Your hair is too long, it's too thick, your eyes are too far apart, your nose is too wide, and your chin's too long, and you need to do something about it. You thought Christina Kraft had a problem. <laughs> so, but they sent me to this shishi poo-poo salon, and in a week I was bald. Just devastated. devastated. You mean they, they did it to your hair? Yeah, I had a French perm and it all fell out. Every little strand, I was left with three little sprigles <laughs> in the front. Funny to you. They tried to change me, and then they're stuck with a bald black anchor woman. I went through a real period of self-discovery because you have to find other reasons for appreciating yourself. It's certainly not your looks. So for the first half hour, I want to talk about creative visualization because a lot of people don't know what the hell it is. Well, today, ten years later, her audience obviously has found her good to look at and to listen to. Do not. I hate that. Absolutely hate it. I guess it was a miracle. She arrives at the studio in Chicago each morning by 7 o'clock. She insists she doesn't do much in the way of preparing for a daily show. She prefers to wing it, she says. Feels that if she talks about the things that interest her, the same things will interest the audience. So this show that's just getting underway nationally. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's going to do. It'll do well. And if it doesn't? And if it doesn't, I will still do well. I will do well because I'm not defined by a show. You know, I think we are defined by the way we treat ourselves and the way we treat other people. You know, I would be wonderful to be, you know, acclaimed as this, you know, just talk show host who's made it. That would be wonderful. 
But if that doesn't happen, there are, you know, other important things in my life. And a fella. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing you're not sure of. No, I think, um, I think it will happen. It will happen. It will happen. I keep saying, but now I say to myself, if I lose 40 pounds, maybe it'll happen then. Then maybe it'll happen, you know, before the movie I said, after the movie it'll happen. Then before the Oscars it'll happen. I don't know. I think it will. If it doesn't, I might come a call in on you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's Oprah. Uh, that was 1989, people. And he asked her show just launched, and he asked her, you know, what the show doesn't do well. But you hear that what she said now. You heard the words from her spirit. You heard the words she had to say. And we have to give a shout-out to MCU TV. Check them out. You might see them on YouTube or check out their website. I can't remember the full name. I think it's mycomeup.com, my I believe. MCU TV. Got to give them love. We have a couple of their clips tonight. They are doing some awesome things, putting people's words before the masses so people can stay motivated and know what's going on out there in the world. Now, that was Oprah. Let's take it to the other extreme because, you know, Oprah's known for being loving and cuddling and all kinds of stuff like that. Simon Cowell <laughs> from, from, I think it's, uh, was it, uh, was it, uh, was it uh, America's, you know, I'm just, since I had my concussion, my memory has been blank. I just know there's something that Simon Cowell was on that had to do with a talent show, America's Top Idol, something like American Idol. That's what it's called, right? Okay. Anyways, he sat down with one of his fellow Londoners, one of his fellow uh, Brits. And again, we have to give a shout out to MCU TV. Let's hear how Simon Cowell went from riches, perceived riches, to <laughs> beyond rags and back up again. Let's give us listen to what he has to say. Simon Cowell, MCU TV. Give him the love. Simon's parties were just lavish, like Roman orgies. That's the only way you can describe them. This was us in the 80s, dressed up, drinking champagne, in our shoulder pads, thinking we were fabulous. <laughs> Simon was always a millionaire. Just there weren't a million in the bank. But Simon's luck eventually ran out. Despite the hits, his record company collapsed. He turned up at his mum's door with just five pounds to his name. It was shattering for him to have to move back in with his parents again at the age of 30-something. Never complained. Never, ever, ever felt sorry for himself. He just was determined to do something about it. And he did. You're 30 years old. You've got no money. Literally, you're down to a few quid. And you're heading home to your mum and dad. What's going through your mind? I was in a cab. And I was working out. I'm not sure whether the five pounds is going to cover, cover the cab. I mean, literally, it was, that was it. It was all gone. So that was my only thought. Um, it, was, it was during the, in the 1980s. It was, it was a time where everybody was borrowing a ton of money. It was the yuppies. It was driving Porsches, whatever, whatever. Everything was borrowed or everything was mortgaged. And the whole lot literally came crashing down. Um, and I owed the bank... I don't know, three or four hundred thousand pounds, had to sell my house, my car. Um, in a strange way, it was um, incredibly liberating because, you know, everything wasn't mine. It belonged to somebody else. And I never really missed it because it wasn't actually mine in the first place. What did your mum say when you walked to the door? Oh, she was really happy. Um, <laughs> couldn't wait to get me back. You know, they were absolutely fine. And it was very interesting because at a time like that, you really realize who your friends are. Um, 
and my friends really were my friends. I, I wasn't embarrassed. You know, I, I paid back the bank loan, bought an old sports car, which I loved, an old TR6 for seven grand. Used to bomb around in that. And I just thought this time, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it properly. I'm going to take my time. I'm not going to borrow money. And I, I kind of, I, in a weird way, enjoyed it. How did you get back on your feet? Was there a person who said, you know what, I still believe in you? Um, I'd say, you know, my, my dad really more than anything else because he, you know, when I went back to live there, I mean, you know, they had a nice flat in London. Um, uh, you know, it was, it was fine. I mean... What did he say to your dad? He just basically said, look, you've just learned a lesson. You know, he didn't really preach other than you've got to do it properly. When you got a bit of power and you had your own gig, one of a better phrase, what kind of boss were you? Well, that's a good question because, I mean, in, in, in the first, you know, eight, ten years, however long it was, when I, when I first started, um, we only had two or three people, you know, working in, in, in the office. I mean, it was tiny, tiny. So I'd never really felt like a boss to them. Um, it was just, you know, we were all hustling in those days, trying to make a living. Hustling, trying to make a living. Simon Cowell, what do you ask him? Who was, who, there was someone that believed in you and he said something that was very interesting, Simon Cowell. You realize when you're down and things aren't, didn't work out the way you thought they would, as Russell Cole said when he got the Academy Award, when you're on the side of uh, advantage, of disadvantage, I believe he said, you really find out who your friends are. With me, you know, you have to like sometimes reveal a little part of yourself to really let people know that you're, you're coming from a place of camaraderie and not saying you're better than anybody or what have you. But from, you know, so for me, dealing with just this injury of my wrist, you know, and then having a concussion has really slowed up a lot of things like, you know, filming and what have you. You know, I've really found out, well, not really found out, but it reaffirmed who's really in my corner. Who's like, look, you know, I don't, you know, I've had people say, you know, we're not shooting until you get better. We can wait. We'll just, you know, hey, we'll audition. You never know, you know, we'll make up, break open for us over here, but we'll just wait till you get better. And those moments just really touched me. You know, John Livesey has been trying to contact me for a couple of days, and since I had this concussion, it's really been a struggle, memory and things like that. So I have to go get that seen, so can get that taken care of. But he's been very patient once again to acting. But the thing, like, you know. Um, Theodora or Teddy, I call her Patience, or Howard, um, Carrie, who's about to go under the knife herself. Carrie, get better. Um, you know, Ella, she went on the knife a little while ago. I got to see how she's doing. You know, really, you really, I really, I re, it just reaffirmed who is in my corner because of me, not because of what I do. Because in Hollywood, as a lot of people know, a lot of people just deal with you for what you can do for them, not what they can do for you. And where I come from, being Boston and also being, you know, Congolese and how our culture is, it's really about, you know, you're down, you're down. If you're not, you're not. But I think, you know, a lot of people really struggle in Hollywood when they find out that when things aren't going well, there's no the people they thought was cool with them aren't there. Michael went through that through the trial where um, attorney Misero, his lawyer, said all these he reached out to all of Michael's friends to come testify on his behalf, all of them. Not one came. Lionel Richie, Brooke Shield, none of them. Liza Minnelli, um, Elizabeth Taylor, none of them. And I think that really shook Michael to have that situation that no one came to defense. It reminds me of the, the Bible and Paul, the, uh, the Paul in the Bible when he was at the Roman court and he said, I think in his letters to Peter or one of his uh, disciples, he was like, 
He goes, uh, no one came to stand with me before the court. Nobody. You know, a Roman court, if you, you stand before them, you have to go, you have, you, you, as far as I'm concerned, you're guilty. This is a, the trial just formality, but it was like Paul went through that. You know, no one came for him to stand with him. And Michael went through that. And, you know, for me, it's just been a challenge. But at the same time, it's been a blessing because it just reaffirms who's down. And if folks aren't down for, you know, why I'm going through this, then, you know, screw them. That's just my attitude. You know, it's just today, tomorrow's not promised to you. So we have to give the love and show the love. Even sometimes we don't want to, you know, but we have to like really who's in your corner. And like he said, like Simon said, it was his dad. For me, it's my family, you know, my whole family, you know, back in, you know, this, we're just there for for each other. It's never, okay, if it's going to happen, it's like, is it going to happen? We know that. What can we do to help it happen? So I'm blessed to know who's in my corner, my mentor, Bill Wynn, you know, uh, the Ochiangs out here. You, you really know who's in your corner. I think that's what Simon found out. It's very, it's very uh, liberating because when things start climbing up, it makes it very easy to say, okay, this person was down and this person wasn't there when I was down. So let's continue on with our next break here. Let's hear what uh, J-Lo uh, has to sing about uh, with MJ. Let's ride.
everybody. That's a wrap. <laughs> that's a wrap. Michael doing his thing. I like that mix there. You know, I get a lot of emails and texts about who's these people doing these uh, mixes. So what I'll do is on our next show, I'll open up. I'll do a little segment where I'm going to actually go down the list of who does the mixes and things like that and how you can get in contact with these folks because they're doing some serious work out there. Uh, what, yeah, I don't know how they do it, but they just do what they do. You folks use Facebook. I'm sure you do. You've seen other social network. You know, you know the Facebook was founded not just by Mark Zuckerberg, but some other people. But let's hear what Mark Zuckerberg has to say to you cats out there. Move fast. Take risks. It's okay to try big things. You're better off trying something and having it not work and then learning from that than having not done anything at all. The thing that we are trying to do at Facebook is just help people connect and communicate more efficiently. That when you give everyone a voice and give people power, the system usually ends up in a really good place. So what we view our role as is giving people that power. I started Facebook when I was 19. Right, so I was just a kid, right? And I knew nothing about business and nothing had ever been written about me. So a lot of these experiences along the way have been really new and it took me some getting used to. We really believe that um, if you give people the right tools and you give people permission um, and, and control over who they want to share it with, then over time they will share more information just because it, it creates value for them to be able to build out their identity and communicate with all these different people. Well, the thing that's really important is that we need to give people complete control over their information. Right? People need to be able to say exactly who they want to share each piece of information that they're sharing. You know, when, when you have a website, just having someone be able to come and log in um, gives you some information about them and some context on who they are, but through things like Facebook Connect, you can really understand who the person is and be able to tailor your product to it. And, and I think it really comes down to what the core need is that the, that the service is addressing, which is that people want to stay connected with their friends and family. Everyone has friends and family. Um, everyone is part of a community. People want to see what's going on with the people in their community. Um, and that's really similar across every country. Right. But what we're thinking about is, you know, we want to get as little dilution as possible and raise money on the most favorable terms. But, and we wanted a, we're building this relationship with Microsoft, and we have this ad relationship. We're doing several other things, and they wanted to buy a piece of the company, so we just discussed this, and, and this is what made sense. We're young, so I have to be thinking about the long term, you know, and how this stuff is going to play out. And I think that the way that you achieve the best long-term value is by building real value in the world. Are we actually helping them achieve their goal of understanding the world? And if we can do that, then I don't think we're going to have a hard time making a lot of money. Um, I mean, wow, he said we ain't gonna have a hard time making a lot of money. <laughs> I think it's worth like what, six point one billion or the two one point two point one billion, something like that. I can't remember off, off the record, off offhand. Mark Zuckerberg. Now, uh, let's see what Jay Z has to say. Now, uh, for disclosure, um, I think there's a curse word in there. <laughs> so, if you have some children, please sh sh uh, shift them away from the speakers and whatever. Cause I. I, I <laughs> I try to get rid of it, but, you know, please bear with me. It's not me, but, you know, hey, what can you do? Uh, this is coming from MCU TV. I think it's mycomingup.com. Check them out, people. And uh, this is Jay-Z and his uh, Why People Have to Live Average. And I really, Omi Kong always hit me to Jay-Z, but I wasn't really into him. I mean, some cuts, yeah, some things I'm like, ah. Because sometimes his lyrical flow just throws me. It's like, okay, you know, it just throws me off. But when I hear it broke down in this interview, I was like, that's very interesting. Let's see what Jay-Z has to say. Rather die enormous and live dormant, that's how we on it. Lock my body, can't trap my mind. 
easily explain why we adapt to crime. I'd rather die enormous than live dormant. That's how we own it. But that line, I'd rather die enormous than live dormant. That's how we own it. Living the American dream with a vengeance. I'm going to get it. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to get it. I'm... And you got to understand the reason, right? Why does that guy think like that? Right? How did, how do you arrive at that point? You gotta also look at that. You have to look at that. You gotta look at the environments and places we live in and how things are set up and how things are structured and how we're always the last on the totem pole, even from our school and to our roads to, you know, everything that, that, all the obstacles that's placed in front of us. Even our living conditions. You live in a project. Someone lives here, 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 and here. You know? You have to deal with all these different type of personalities. You have, you're in the box. Someone's above you, below you, to the right of you, and to the left of you. And every day you have to manage that circle. And that's just one, that's just two floors. These buildings have 26 <laughs> floors and there's a ton of them. Right? These low income houses. And everything is messed up there. So, living, that's like living dormant. If this, if this is what, this is what I have to live for, then I'm going to take a chance to get more. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens to me. The street schoolers to spend our money foolish. Bomb with jewelers and watch for intruders. I stepped it up another level. Meditated like a Buddhist. The street schoolers to spend our money foolish. Bomb with jewelers and watch for intruders. I stepped it up another level. Meditated like a Buddhist. Recruited lieutenants with ludicrous dreams of getting cream. Let's do this. It gets tedious. So I keep one eye open like CBS. You know, the logo, oh for CBS, the logo for CBS is the one eye, so, I'm, you know, this is how I'm living like this. You know, not trusting, because that's what happens. You tend not to trust people because, you know, you know, it's a life and death thing. Every day. Imagine living like that. Can I live? This is our life, and this is what we want, and this is what we're going to get. And if it means doing this or doing that, it's the Scarface mentality. You ever see to read the posters, and at the end line it says, he lived the American dream with a vengeance. It's the best line in the world, but that, that sums up Jay-Z. That sums up Irv Gotti. That sums up everybody coming from the bottom and trying to get up to the top. He said, I'm keeping one eye open like C- CBS, the logo. Oh, my God. Oh, man. You know, I think when it comes to um, hip-hop and rap, there's a big – how do you explain this? Uh, when you're outside looking in, you don't know the hustle, you don't know how the street rolls, you don't know how it flows, you don't know how, the, how, the, how it rocks back and forth. I think it's easy to look at some of the rappers out there who are trying to be hard and trying to be gangster, quote unquote, or whatever. And you know, you can you think, okay, it's just a bunch of guys running around and you know holding their crotch. Well, Michael holds his crotch. That's a little, you know, whatever. But just trying to be hard. But I think when you really listen, I think the lyrical flows, I think the the lyrics that flow the best are those who are really trying to send the message out to the people. You know, Grandmaster with the message. Um, Eric B and Rakim, follow the leader, know the ledge. Um, Jay Z's flown like I mean, I'm still bugging that. Keep one eye open like CBS. 
<laughs> the logo. Oh my God, that's some young Maya type stuff. But I think you know, and, and if you have a beat, if you have some music, you can put an album out. You can put a single out or a mixtape out. Maybe about a month, maybe two weeks. I don't know. But you can do it very quickly, you know, as long as it's where you want to be. Film, you know, you you hear stories, Avatar, Schindler's List, 10 years. You know, all this money is being floated around because you're dealing with actors and their people, producers and their people, the studio for studio and their people. Um, You're dealing with all these people. Then you're dealing with the funders, the investors and their people. And it can take forever to do it. I mean, we we started boarding class last November. And we're still shooting it, but you know that you know also because I'm kind of injured. But it, you have to be patient. And I think for me, if a person walks away from a project I'm doing because they feel it's taking too too long, I'm like, look, I produce, you act. I'm not trying to act. You're not trying to produce. I don't have the patience to be an actor because actors just go through so much. I think I would choke a casting director if they said I didn't get the part. <laughs> but I have I have a lot of respect for we have to go out for auditions and all these people. Trying to say you have to do this, do that. Agents say get new pictures, and your manager say get some new pictures, and it's different pictures that your agents want. And then you go for this audition, you have nine callbacks, and you, you still don't know if you got the part. Then you find you didn't get the part when the movie comes out, and someone else is playing the role that you auditioned for. Spike Lee said it. He's like the, he has a lot of respect for agents because a lot of t- for uh, actors because a lot of times the decisions are made based on something actor can't control. Uh, you're too tall. Your nose is too small. Your eyes are too wide. Your hair is too light. Your arms are too thick. Your legs are too short. Your butt is too big. Your butt's not big enough. You don't look African. You look too African. You don't look Asian. You look too Asian. Uh, oh, that's why a lot of times I tell my actor friends, I ask them, I say, why do you do it? You know, it's like, you know, they ask, well, why do you write? But I ask them, I say, why do you do it? What keeps you going? So I think with Jay-Z, you know, his, his, the frame of reference he's talking about, a lot of people can relate to. And like he said, if this is all I have to live for, I'm going to go out there and do the best I can and he was out there and just hustle. And a lot of people hustle when they come from, the, you know, a lot of the studios out here are run by people from the East Coast. It's not really run by anybody from here. The way the hustle is just a little different when people from back East, in my experience, come out to L.A., they're like, look, I'm just here. They put like this in February in Los Angeles. You know, you could be on your shorts, go down to uh, Santa Monica and just walk the beach in a short and T-shirt. And that's February. Back in Boston, February, folks aren't trying to come out the house unless they have to. And they come out the house, they're not trying to look cute. They're coming out, taking care of business, and going back home. That's how it gets down. So for me, you know, I can I can understand a lot of what Jay-Z is saying, but I can understand a lot of times why people mock that the rappers and stuff like that because they don't really understand the flow they're coming from. They don't understand the, how they came up. They don't understand that. So I think we have to show a little respect there. Uh, that's just my opinion. Let's get a little cut here. Have some fun. Let's see here. Let's flow this a little bit. Michael, Michael.
people. What's going on? To all my actor friends out there, let's see what uh, Kevin Spacey has to say. That guy now is is, is an interesting person uh, as an actor. Let's see what you, for you actors out there from uh, the act inside the actor studio. Let's see what Kevin Spacey has uh, has to share with you guys out there in uh, the uh, acting world. Could you talk a bit about the early um, process? How can we help us appreciate this early experience, these lean years, these very difficult years, leading up to the ultimate prize? There is no prize out there. The only prize is this one and what you feel and what you want to accomplish. And if you can... As you start out, these, what could be lean years or could be fat years, um, I, I feel that I, I very often watch a, a lot of young people sort of meander around without any idea about why they're doing what they're doing. I mean, to want and to be ambitious and to want to be successful is not enough. That's just desire. To know what you want, to understand why you're doing it, to dedicate every breath in your body to achieve, if you feel you have something to give, if you feel that your particular talent is worth developing, is worth caring for, then there's nothing you can't achieve. You're going to grow up with your colleagues. You're going to watch them have success and watch them have failure, and you're going to watch how they deal with it. And they can be as much a teacher for you as anybody here um, or anyone who's privileged enough to come here and speak to you. Uh, man, that's touching. I think, not a, I mean, in touching in a serious way, not sarcastically. I mean, seriously, because you really have to want what you, what is that you want to do. I mean, people, what do you want to do? If you're doing it, okay, fine. Are you helping other people find their voice? But if you're not doing it, what are you waiting for? Tomorrow, when you make enough money, you know what? You'll never have enough money. You know, when uh, your bank account's just right, it'll never be just right. Um, when your circumstances change, your circumstances may not change because you don't want to change them. You know? You know, I still learn every day. It's a process. I realize new things that are really surprising. And conversely, I go way back to, you know, when I first started this game. Cy X Dare was my production company in Boston. I was shooting music videos and stuff like that. Uh, I wanted to produce music videos, and I was, I was working with a Black Burst production, Steve Tompkins, what's up, frat, ow, ow, back in Boston, doing music videos, and I learned under him. And I remember, you know, they were doing an overhead shot of a turntable, someone's going to sing, and this guy was supposed to be the DJ, and they was going to close on the turntable, and I said, you know, the problem with the turntable is that there's no fingerprints on it, and if he's a DJ, there needs to be fingerprints on the turntable. I remember that. I think it was like 1987. 89, you know, back in the day, uh, Friday night videos and dance jam and stuff like that. So, but what has carried me to this point is really just sacrificing on just a lot of things. Some things I wish I didn't have to, some things I had to. But do you want it bad enough that you'll do it if people tell you no, you can't, or won't help you, or will try to prevent you from doing it? Will you? Let's go. Let's go to uh, get out. The, get out the box. That's what we heard Russell Simmons before. Let's go back to Get Out the Box and hear from Chris Gardner. 
you saw the movie uh, Pursuit of Happiness. Uh, let's hear what he has to say. This movie was based on him. He's an investment banker, I believe, out of Chicago. I remember reading a story years before I saw it in the Will Smith movie. I think I have a clip from Will Smith's movie also um, from uh, Pursuit of Happiness. But um, this story is very interesting because most people, I think uh, Oma Kongo said this on the show one day, but I can't remember the numbers he gave me, like maybe 80%, 75%. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it seemed about almost 80 to 85% of the people out there aren't doing what they want to do. I can't remember the, the, the percentage, but if you go back to one of my earlier shows, uh, Word on the Street segment, it was just fascinating when he said the percentage of people that aren't following their dreams. It was staggering. Are you one of those people? Are you like Neo in the Matrix sitting in your cubicle every day, just going through the same old, same old, until someone comes to you and says, look, there's a greater power in you that you don't realize? Or are you like Harrison Ford who said he didn't want to work in an office for 20, 30 years where you know your grandkids, where you know your co-workers' grandchildren because you were there when, they were, when their children were born? You don't want to do that. So what are you waiting for? Let's take a little clip from Pursuit, Pursuit of Happiness, and then we'll come back to Chris Gardner. This is... Uh, Will Smith portraying Chris Gardner. All right. Hey. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Not even me. All right. You got a dream. You got to protect it. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you you can't do it. You want something, go get it. Period. You want it bad enough? Go get it. Period. Some of you guys out there, you make every go talk to that girl at the club. When it comes to your own vision, you kind of like back down and, you know, chicken out. So let's see what the that's that's Will Smith portraying Chris Gardner. Let's see what Chris Gardner has to say when he was on Get Out the Box. And I think towards Chris Gardner's segment here, he talks about a YouTube channel he he has. So you may want to subscribe to it. Let's give him a listen. Always ride the subway here in New York City is still the quickest way to get around town. I'll never forget a recent experience. Doing my business on Wall Street, getting on the train to come back to Midtown, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Normally, there's a lull. This train should be empty. But on this day, the train was full. Full of people, all in business suits. A guy recognizes me, comes over and says, Hey, are you Chris Gardner? We start talking. Turns out, I'm in a car with the first wave of the 55,000 people who had just been laid off by Citibank. And I noticed something. Everyone's holding a box. You've seen the boxes. You've seen them on television. They've got their house plant, their coffee mug, the pictures of their kids. And they're all going home. They're all going home to tell their wife, their husband, their children, and the landlord they don't have a job. I began to share with this young guy that, well, you know what, yeah, you lost your job, but you haven't lost your skills, your talent, or your expertise. 
What we've got to do now is create opportunities where the skill, talent, and expertise can be transferable. Creating an opportunity and looking for a job are two different things. This could be prime time for pushing your button, rather, finding your button. What do I mean by that? Prime time to find that one thing that you love to do so much, you would get up in the morning and do it free. Prime time to find that one thing that the sun cannot come up soon enough in the morning because you want to go do your thing. This could be that time in your life. Over the last two and a half years, since the release of the book, The Pursuit of Happiness, and the film, I've heard from tens of thousands of people around the world, all sharing their own stories of struggle and triumph. And I'm always mindful that they ask me the same two questions every time. Whenever they stop me at an airport or on the street or get me on the phone or through emails or letters, the same two questions are, how did you do what you did and how can I do it too? That is what we hope to accomplish here in our new book, Start Where You Are. Mm, mm, mm. Start Where You Are. Okay, well, I thought he was going to give some love in reference to his YouTube site, but I believe, I don't know exactly what it's called. I think it is called Start Where You Are. I think it's his YouTube channel. That's Chris Gardner. We heard Will Smith a little earlier um, portraying Chris Gardner, and now we just heard Chris Gardner. But let's hear what on on robcorbett.com that's r-o-b-b-c-o-r-b as in boy e-t-t.com will smith gave some advice i believe it's a compilation of a few uh interviews he's given let's hear what will smith ha has had to say in reference to uh being successful and working hard and perseverance I have a great time with my life, and I want to share it. I love living. I think that's infectious. It's something that you can't fake. Greatness is not this um, wonderful, esoteric, elusive uh, God-like feature that only the special among us are, will ever taste. You know, it's something that truly exists in all of us. It's very simple. This is what I believe, and I'm willing to die for it. Yeah. Period. It's that simple. I know who I am, and I know what I believe. I know who I am. I know who what I believe. That's all I need to know. And that's all I need to know. So from there, you do what you need to do, yeah. you know. And I think what happens is we make the situation more complex than it has to because be. Because we're looking for complexity. There's got to be Absolutely. something complex to understand. It right? can't be that easy. No. We didn't grow up uh, with the sense that where we were was where we were going to be. You know, we grew up with the sense that where we were almost didn't matter because... 
we were becoming we were becoming right. something greater. The separation of talent and skill is one of the, 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 the greatest misunderstood concepts for people who are trying to excel, who have dreams that want to do things. Talent you have naturally. Skill is only developed by hours and hours and hours of beating on your craft. I've, I've never really viewed myself as particularly talented. Where I excel is ridiculous sickening work ethic. You know, while the other guy's sleeping, I'm working. While the other guy's eating, I'm working. There's no easy way around it. No matter how talented you are, your talent is going to fail you if you're not skilled. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't study, if you don't work uh, really hard and dedicate yourself to being better every single day, mm -hmm. you'll never be able to communicate with, with people, with your artistry, the, the way that you want. So the only thing that I see that is distinctly different about me is I'm not afraid to die on a treadmill. You might have more talent than me, you might be smarter than me, but if we get on the treadmill together, right, there's two things. You're getting off first or I'm going to die. It's really that simple. One summer, his dad tore down a brick wall on the front of his business and told 12-year-old Will and his 9-year-old brother to rebuild it, a job they said was impossible. It took them a year and a half, but they did it. And he said, now don't you ever tell me it's something that you can't do. You don't try to build a wall. You don't set out to build a wall. You don't say, I'm going to build the biggest, baddest, greatest wall that's ever been built. You don't start there. You say... I'm going to lay this brick yeah. as perfectly as a brick can be laid. Yeah. And you do that every single day, and soon you have a, wall. You have a wall. You know, it's uh, an idea that my grandmother uh, always had, that it, you know, if you're going to be here, then there's a necessity to make a difference. She always instilled the responsibility, the spiritual responsibility that you have to make every group you come in contact with better. I want to do good. Yeah. I want the world to be better because I was here. I want my life, I want my, my work, uh, my, my family, I want it to mean something. And it's like, it has, if, if you are not making someone else's life better, then you're wasting your time. You know, like the, the, your life will become better by making other lives better. Mm. I want to mm -hmm. represent an idea. An idea of hard work. Will Smith, you can check that out. I'll, I'll check out uh, Rob Colbert. That's R O B B. That's uh, B as in boy, B as in boy. I'm sorry, B, it's R O B B. That's B as in boy, B as in boy, C as in Congo, O. R as in uh, Rwanda, B as in boy, E T T, uh, Tunisia, Tunisia.com. He has it's a motivational speaker. He has some good words there. And that's Will Smith giving his words. And you know, one thing that's very, that parallels what uh, Russell Simmons said earlier in reference to how you treat other people, and, you know, will elevate you. But you don't do it with a motive. You just do it because you want to treat other people well. Sometimes it's very difficult. There's always that one person you want to bitch slap who, looked at you, who just looked at you wrong on a day you just, Nothing was going well, but what you put out there, you get back. Sometimes it's not the easiest thing to do, but what you put out there, you get back. And I've just noticed, just in teaching, that 
you know, one of my cohorts, uh, my 10th graders, my tech class, it was the third week of grading period, I believe it was. And um, we do every five weeks. And I remember 30 students, only three passed, which means 27 failed. Now, this group is, you know, is a 10B. It's an awesome group. You know, we have our advisory. We talk about things. We did our well, some things we uh, business-wise that I said we kept confidential in our cohort. But that I have a lot of love for that group. It was a very interesting. It was a very interesting dynamic of people. And I don't know if it's because I spend time with them advisory-wise or whatever. But when I turned in advisory, when you sit down, you talk about school, you talk about life, you hear them talk. And I would hope that I see that they felt comfortable to talk about anything because they did. And, you know, they have some strong personalities in that, in that class. But I remember it was the third week grading period. It was, was it five, ten, fifteen? I think, no, yeah, the third week grading period. And only three passed. I think it was uh, A, B, and B, or two A's and a B. Everybody else got an F. And I remember when I had that done, the next class, I just, I just stopped the class and just, just literally just unleashed my disappointment. I wasn't angry. I was just extremely disappointed because they're very smart. No one should fail. The work might be very rigorous or it might be challenging or what have you, but I believe they can bring the mission. I mean, I, it was, I think it was the entire period. I just unleashed on them saying, I don't like this. This is not good. This isn't life. If you want to fail, you, if you, you know, don't come to me saying I gave you an F. You got what you wanted. You got an F. You didn't do no work. That's on you. And I remember after that, only two students came up to me and asked about what their grade was. They wanted to know. And one of them was Katrina King, really smart young, young woman, really smart, her and her crew. We went back to class, started doing our thing, and I'm happy to say that we turned in the, the grading period for the fourth week of the end of this past semester. Everybody passed, except for one student, and I think because he was out, I don't know what was going on, but everybody passed. And I don't mean just with a C. There's a lot of A's and B's in there, and I was telling myself, this is what I expect from you guys. I said, a C, I don't like, because the school I teach, they don't give D's. C's, I don't like. You'll have a C life. When people say, at least I got a C, you have a C life. That's not me. B's, you should only get when you're sick. Everything should be an A. Of course, you see my old report card. You're like, well, how's he talking? I just hated school <laughs> because I just, I just did. I just, you know, I learned things so fast. I just got bored. I was always bored with school, but that's just me. But back to the class. When they all passed, I told everybody they can't. It, 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 it touched me the most when, when people kept trying to find out during snack, lunch, whatever, what their grade was. And when I told them, you know, you have to set it up, what their grade was, and yeah, you could be. Oh, you could just see. Just a sigh of relief, a hurricane of relief. Well, when they got an A, they're like, what? Are you serious? It just touched me because I was telling myself, this is what I expect. And you can bring it like this. So you can bring it like this. One student who was struggling in the 11th grade last year, Jessica, I used to get on her all the time. Like, you are smart on this. I know you are. She did well the second grading period for uh, the spring semester. So I'm sorry. But, you know, teachers, as my brother said, you can take one teacher, you can ruin a, student's, a person's life forever. I believe every time you come to my classroom, you should leave knowing something new, and we should learn from each other because everybody has a different per- point of view, a different perspective. And to be a teacher is not easy. You have 30 personalities. There are people you've never seen before, different levels of intelligence, different levels of income, different levels of patience, different levels of experience. And I don't mean intelligence like dumb and smart. I mean like what they don't know versus what they do know. And, you know, for me, I just – I'm sorry. I just don't believe in failure. Even if you don't do well, that's a learning experience. That's a teaching moment. I don't like teachable moment. I don't like that word. Nothing's teachable moment to me. It's like, you know, you could do it. And to have everybody pass, really touch, except for one kid, really, I, I, 
They were more happy than me, but I don't know if that was possible because I was really happy. Now, let's get to our next break here. Let's hear what, so let's hear what Soul Wax has to do or what he had to say about Billie Jean on a Saturday.
something my brother Hunter would say. <laughs> like he has some of the craziest posts on his Facebook when it comes to Mondays. I thought he should do like a, a a comic strip series or something like that, like the uh, Boondocks or something. I don't know. What was that thing? With, what was that one with the with the uh, Bloom County with the penguins? Oh my god, it was too funny. People, we have a few minutes left here. And again, Michael passed away uh, two years ago yesterday. And I like I said, we know about singing and dancing, but it's about as well as advice. And you know, are you doing what you need to do with your life, people? We have twelve minutes left, and. These could be the 12 minutes that change your life where you really reflect and say, I'm going to go do it. Or it can be just 12 minutes that just go to waste as you let the talents you have in you just really, you know, die. And the worst thing is you can have is, is to the end comes to you and you see it coming and your last words are, I wish this or I wish that. Let's hear what Michael has to say in reference to advice. I think it's advice for dreamers. Now, you know, Michael's voice, well, if you want to know what Michael's voice really sounds like, go to YouTube or something like that and find the Super Bowl uh, halftime show where he performs, where I'm still stunned how they have the whole audience participate in Heal the World. But before he sings the song, he's talking to the audience. If you hear his voice, that's his real voice. Sometimes, you know, in our environment, our voices change a little bit. Like when I'm in the class, people will call the classroom who know me, and they're hearing my voice because it's a pitch higher somewhat because there's all the students in the room. And they can't really tell it's me. But then when they call me when I'm at home after about two hours of being, you know, at the house and I answer the phone, they're like, hello? I'm like, hey, what's going on? They're like, who's this? I'm like, this is If you go find that halftime show, you hear Michael's real voice. So um, it's manly, as everybody knows. Well, you will know now if you go check it out. But on this piece here, he's actually talking. But I think the music's just a little bit too loud, so... It's only about two minutes, but let's hear it. You know, it's about Michael. So let's hear what Michael has to say. So give it a listen and see what's up. No matter what, the most powerful thing in the world is the human mind and prayer and belief in yourself and confidence and perseverance. No matter how many times you do it, you do it again until it's right. And always believe in yourself. And no matter who's around you that's being negative or thrusting negative energy at you, totally block it off. Because whatever you believe, you become. Yes, and after all of that, the most important, most important, stay humble. The humbleness that a child, like a newborn baby, has. Even though you become powerful or or have power with with people, with your talent, or with like you know with what Michelangelo did with sculpting. You know, underneath all that, be as humble as a child, as a baby, and as kind and giving and loving. Never become puffed up with pride. that to my parents who always taught us to persevere, believe in yourself, have confidence no matter what you do, even if you're sweeping floors or painting ceilings, do it better than anybody in the world, no matter what it is that you do, be the best at it and have uh, respect for others and be proud of yourself. 
gotta be humble, respect others, you gotta persevere, you have to be determined. It's all those things. Respect others. In Hollywood, I know a lot of people are afraid to offend people because they've seen secretaries become the agents. They've seen agents become studio heads. Everybody tries to be nice, but they're not really being humble. And, you know, you, I'm talking to you. What are you, are you living? Are you, are you living your name? Are you using the gifts? There's something every day where you say, I wish I could do this. Or you're working somewhere you're like, you know, if they just did it this way. But you don't say anything. You just sit there. Because you, you, you feel you're a prisoner of a check or something like that. No, I think Chuck Knight said a pay check keeps, keeps you in check. We all have gifts. There's a, the, the odds are bigger of the sperm and the egg conceiving into you and me than it is hitting the lottery. So you've already hit, hit the biggest lottery there is. But tomorrow, as they say, today's the gift. That's why it's called the present, as they say. We can't change what happened yesterday. We can only look back and say, okay, what did I learn? How did I make it through there? And we can say, okay, right now, this is what I want to do that's going to make tomorrow better. I don't want to be there 40 hours or four years or four months or four weeks of misery. You have to make the decision you don't want to be in that situation. So what are you going to do? You know, at, you know if you look at advocates, advocates, there's two different kind of advocates. There's the real advocates. I might make this a Facebook status, but advocates that are really pure about why, why they're doing what they do, they can touch anybody. If you look at the uh, passage of the gay marriage proposal in New York. Some of the Republicans, some of the people that voted against voted for because some people were saying that they were around the gay legislators, whatever, and saw them in a different light. Yet, if they're against it, you have to respect that. The thing, though, with advocates is that an, a real advocate can touch anybody. You may not know where Congo is, but damn it, I'm going to figure out some way to let you know by the time we're finished talking, you're not just going to know where it is. You're going to know the history and how you're somewhat how being a part of making a difference there. But those advocates, they're the ones that can touch anybody. If they're talking about Latino causes, women causes, gay causes, children causes, school causes, uh, trafficking causes, whatever, they can reach out. If you look at the Civil Rights Movement, when Dr. King was, was marching, he had all kinds of people up there walking with him. But then you have those other advocates who I call click advocates because they surround themselves with other advocates who sound just like them and say just like them. And they're very, they don't, they, they rather attack other people because they know if they're around the real advocates, those real advocates can see right through their fraudulent shields that they put up and realize that those little click advocates are for themselves. They don't care about the issue. They're just using the issue to raise them. So my thing to you, and I hope you got from the show today with, as Michael being gone, it's about the, he, 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 he knew he, he you know, Michael, let me, let me share something with Michael. Michael, at one point in the 90s, they, people, a lot of people looked at Michael as, as being essentially um, an oldies act, a very high-profile oldies act. And if you look at This Is It, a lot of the steps in there he did it were from the Thriller album. Michael has said in an interview that he felt trapped, that there are things you want to do as an artist, and he always wants to grow. Artists want to grow. They want to do things different. He said when he did the moon, when he did the, the, um, Billie Jean, the only reason why he did the moonwalk is because people expected him to do the moonwalk because they saw him do it at Motown 25. But he said he never wanted to do it all the time. He wanted to do other things. That's why if you see This Is It, he doesn't even moonwalk. Of course, some people are saying, well, that's not really Michael, but you understand what I'm saying. And for him, it's just about, yo, I want to do something different. You know, Jeffrey Daniels, he was the guy with the afro, the slim guy who was doing the robot in Shalimar. He taught Michael the moonwalk. It's not called the moonwalk. It's actually called the backslide. Then moonwalk is another step. But, you know, you know how everybody says, oh, Michael, he's called the moonwalk. And, you know, he invented it. No. Jeffrey Daniels taught Michael Jackson the backslide slash moonwalk three years earlier 
or about two years earlier. And Jeffrey was like, yo, when are you going to use it, man? When are you going to use it? And Michael said, not yet, not yet. And you, he wanted to use it for the right time. And when he rocked it out was when? Motown 25. And from that moment on, everybody was like, oh, my God. But can you imagine, like someone said, I think it was Jeffrey Daniels said, or oh, another Jay-Z or somebody said, you know, can you imagine it's like holding on to something that you know can just bring it to the stage when you bust it out? So the thing is, what are you holding on to? And if you're holding on to it for the right moment, when's the right moment? Because, again, you'll never – when you say the, when the money's right, the money will never be right. When your living situation changes, it may change, but for the most part, it won't unless you change. If, this, if there's people in your lives, as T.D. Jake said, I should play this one of these days, be kind of friends. If there's people in your lives that aren't really with you, get rid of them. What are you losing if they're not there? Be lonely if you have to. I don't want people around me that aren't down with my vision. You don't want people that are just going for the ride and you're doing all the work. I don't have that kind of patience. And I learned a long time ago that if someone has a gift and they're not using it, and you have to talk to them two or three times about that gift, and they're still not listening, they like where they are. They want to be where they are. So when they complain, you say, hey, look, I advised you. I connected you to people. I said this to you. It's still you want to do it because you can best believe when they finally make the decision to do it, you'll be long gone or you'll be at such a high level, they're going to say, I can't get that high, and they're going to shrink back. I've seen it happen too many times. So, hey, in our last two minutes here, let's hear what Tupac has to say about some things here, and then we'll wrap it up. But seriously, Michael knew hard work and perseverance will get him to where he wants to be, where he was one of the biggest artists on the planet. What are you waiting for? Everybody's a Michael in their own ways. What are you waiting for? What do you want to do? And why aren't you doing it? There's only now. You don't want something to happen tomorrow and your last words are, what's that word, uh, if I could have or anything. Right, Tupac? Come on, boy. Love that life, you're MD, right? Now, ever since my birth, I've been cursed as I'm going around in case I never get to holler at my unborn child. Many things learned in prison, blessed to still living, trying to earn every penny that I'm getting. I reminisce to the beginning of my mission. When I was conceived, it came to be in this position. My mama was a panther loud, single parent, but she proud. When she was this baby boy, ripper proud. To school, but I dropped out and left the house. Cause my mama say I'm good for nothing. So I'm out since I only got one life to live. God forgive me for my sins, let me make it and I'll never steal again. Or deal again. My only friend is my misery. Wanting revenge for the agony they did to me. See, my life ain't promised, but it sure get better. Hope you understand my love better. I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world, but I know if I keep talking about how dirty it is out here, somebody's going to clean it up. You know I'm still down for the underdog, and I know that thing's real funny because everybody is saying that these days.
Lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.